Hello and welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, as always, I'm joined by Donald. Hello. It's Easter week here, and so our discussions today have been looking at why is Easter good news? Enjoy our conversation. Okay, so I've got a little quiz to get us thinking about Easter. Uh, there's five questions, mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to just see whether you're in line with the rest of the country as to their understanding <laughs> well, I think we know the answer to that one. of Easter. I think most of them are multiple choice, apart from one. So you, you've, got, you've got a good choice. Okay. You're quite competitive. You like a quiz. I am competitive. <laughs> okay, question number one. How many people in the UK think that the government decides what date Easter falls on? Okay, so it changes every year. Hold on, wait. Oh. I'm going to give you some numbers. Mm -hmm. So because it's a different date every year, how many people in the UK think it's the government that makes that decision? Is it one in 12? One in eight or one in four people? Well, I think it probably is one in four people because I do think one of our cultural problems as a society is to blame all the world's problems on our government. <laughs> and just to imagine that every five years we're going to be significantly happier with a different government. So I bet it is, I would go for one in four. You go know, for one in four. That is the correct answer. That's very good. And they're wrong. It's nothing to do with the We're government. coming on to that in one second. Okay. So interestingly, one in ten think it's decided by the EU. And the, date, and the date then has to be agreed by all countries. <laughs> That's absolutely ridiculous. So let's nail this one to start off okay. with. Okay, Christmas, same day every year. Why yes. isn't Easter? How is that decided upon? Uh, because Easter occurred during the Jewish festival of the Passover. So the Last Supper... Uh, it was the Passover meal, which is part of the Jewish celebrations. Jesus was Jewish, so were the disciples. That was their custom. And also, the, which we can come to, is the Passover has a lot of symbolism that pertains to Easter. Now, the Jewish calendar, many, many years ago, before our, uh, con our Roman calendar, because our calendar is based on the Roman calendar, their calendar was based on the moon mm -hmm. and what the moon did. And the Passover was, the, was before the first Sabbath of uh, after the full moon in the spring. And so we have Easter, the first Sunday after the full moon in spring. So it's nothing to do with Boris? Nope. No, no, it's been, it's been like this since Jesus. It's, this is, Easter has been celebrated ever since Jesus at this time. Do you know, when I was at Bible college, I'm going to make a confession now. Uh, we had a paper to write on this. And uh, quite often the deadlines for papers were all, all at the same time. And I wasn't quite ready with getting my paper in. So my previous minister had uh, been to the same Bible college and had left me all of his past papers. And so I um, copied his paper and I handed it in as my own. In those days, you got a grading, A star, A, whatever. He got an A star for it. I got an E for it. Why? I don't have any clue. I did not change anything in it at all. Part of me thinks that's just God's judgment. Absolutely. But, you know, you just think, that's a little bit wrong. I should have got an A star from a paper, put a lot of hard work into that. But we had to write a whole paper on it. And this. you're not condoning or encouraging that behaviour? Oh, I think it's disgraceful. Absolutely, I don't encourage cheating at all. Uh, there's lots of things I'm not proud of in my life. That's, that's one of them. Uh, but I got my comeuppance. I got a bad grade for it. Um, 
Why would you cheat at a Bible college? Because I was about to miss the deadline and it would have <laughs> hammered my uh, degree. Okay. <laughs> okay. You have to remember I'm a work in progress. Yes, I'm certainly am aware of that. That was 25 years ago. Okay. I was very rough and raw around the and edges. And to be absolutely fair, there were a large number of things that I did at Bible College that are best not remembered. <laughs> Now, you talked about the Passover. Mm. Uh, is Passover part of the uh, Easter celebrations for uh, Christians normally? Um, some Christians celebrate Passover. Uh, the roots of how we celebrate Easter comes out of the Passover. So can I, shall I just explain what the Passover festival was? So um, if we know our, remember our story of the Old Testament, um, after the time of Joseph, who had a a multicolored coat. Sing it. He had a dream he knew for certain. <laughs> and uh, he was, when he died, he had um, been in Egypt and his brothers came for food in, in Egypt. So then the, the Abraham's descendants through Joseph and the, his 11 brothers, they stayed in Egypt and they did well, they multiplied. And eventually they became quite a strong group that caused the Egyptians to feel threatened by them. And uh, very often we see in human culture that a majority feels threatened and discriminates against a minority. And that's what happened. And the Israelites were in prison, well, not in prison, were enslaved and became slaves. And they were oppressed and they were badly treated. And they cried out to God. And God raised up Moses and Moses was sent back to set them free. And the Egyptian pharaoh says, no, not going to let you go. And uh, God says, okay, well, then there are going to be 10 plagues that are going to uh, convince Pharaoh to let the people go. And the 10th plague was that the firstborn son of every family, uh, firstborn child son, was going to die uh, unless the people took and demonstrated an act of faith and trust in God. And to do that, they were to take uh, a really top quality lamb, a lamb without blemish, not a skanky old thing they didn't want anymore, but their best. They were to take a lamb and they were to, to sacrifice that and put the blood of the lamb on their doorway. And the idea was that this was an act of obedience and faith and saying, we don't trust the Pharaoh, we trust yeah. God. We're not putting our, uh, our faith in, in what the Pharaoh is saying. We're putting our faith in what God has said through Moses. And then the, the, uh, the, the Bible talks about the angel of death. And when it saw the blood on the, on the uh, door frame, it would pass over mm. and death wouldn't visit that family. Mm. And so that's the origin of the Passover. And as Moses sets them free and they go through the Red Sea and they, they work out how they're to live as a people, God says that every year they were to remember this Passover. They were to remember this moment. They were to remember that they'd been oppressed. They were to remember that they'd been enslaved. And they would remember that God had set them free. And they were to, to give thanks and to know where they'd come from and who loved them. And that's the origin of the Passover festival. And they would come together as a, a, a families and friends, a bit like how we might do Christmas. It was when everybody gathered. Mm. 
and there was particular things that are said, still said today, through the meal to remind people of that story and the passing over of death and the blood of the lamb. Mm. And uh, one of the things that's interesting in Jesus' story is that when he first appears, John the Baptist, who's been sent to tell people about Jesus, says, behold, uh, the Lamb of God. Mm. And uh, Paul and the, the rest of the New Testament call Jesus the Passover Lamb and that his blood is shed for us. Mm. So Jesus in the Passover meal takes a cup, a wine, which was part of the meal, and uh, they would give thanks for the blood that was shed with this glass of wine. But Jesus says, this is my blood. Mm. Now that's revolutionary. He's changing the Passover. He changes what it means. He changes what it says. And he, and he says these two really powerful things. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant, a new agreement, a new promise, a new relationship. Um, so it's really good to know about the Passover. It's really mm. good. But as we see the rest of the New Testament unfold, it appears that the church, as it reaches out to those who were not from the Jewish background, uh, as they see it would appear to, they, they don't celebrate the Passover. Instead, they have communion, they're breaking of bread, whatever you want to call it. And they did that every week rather than, um, or, or very often, not necessarily every week, but very often instead of once a year. Brilliant. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, back to the quiz then. Oh, my quiz, yeah. So, yep. So I was hoping to f- no, forget. No, we're not forgetting that. Which is the most cho- popular chocolate egg worldwide? Which is the most popular chocolate egg worldwide? Clue. This egg first went on sale in 1971, before I was born, and was made in Bourneville. So it narrows the field down slightly Oh, well, I'll go for a Cadbury's cream egg. Cadbury's cream egg is the correct answer. Now, the Bourneville factory can make 1.5 million cream eggs every day, which is incredible. 500 million are made each year, with one-third being exported overseas. Over 80 million boxed Easter eggs are sold at Easter in the UK each year. So Brits are going to spend £25 on Easter eggs this year. How have Easter eggs become synonymous with Easter, which is, at our heart of it, a fantastic Christian festival? What's the link between the eggs and also, what's the link between the Easter bunny and Easter okay. as well? So, And do you hate the Easter bunny as much as you hate Father Christmas? Well, I knew you were going to ask me about the Easter bunny, so I researched it. <laughs> and uh, I think I probably do hate the Easter bunny as much as I hate. <laughs> Not quite. Um, but they're very similar. Well, no, no, the Easter bunny has a worse origin. Anyway, let's come back to that. So, similar to Christmas, when the... Easter festival comes to Europe, it encounters an, a, a spring festival. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, the first um, new moon in Easter is always, uh, sorry, in, in spring, it, it's to do with spring, it's to do with new life and so on and so forth. So there was already an understanding that eggs represented new life and that just as in the autumn, there's a harvest festival where we give thanks for uh, the harvest and what's been. In the spring, there was a festival that uh, was praying for fertility, for new life. Mm. And the eggs was a symbol of that. It was a symbol of 
of spring, if you like. So when Christianity came in and said, look, Easter is about the new life that Jesus brings, the resurrection from the dead, it was a natural match between eggs and saying Jesus has risen from the dead. So the egg kind of symbolized, if you like, the grave and that new life comes out as an animal mm -hmm. comes, a chick comes out of the egg, it pushes through. So Jesus has come out of the grave, brought new life, brought resurrection. That spring is, I believe, a godly symbol of resurrection anyway, that God has built into our, uh, our creation the, the belief that the dead will rise because mm -hmm. every spring new life comes. Mm -hmm. So eggs were part of that, that that's kind of with Christianity, similar to the holly and ivy and Christmas trees, we talked about it before. Mm -hmm. They took what was there and they said, we can, we can make, bring a Christian truth out of it. Mm -hmm. They didn't do that with Easter bunnies. Easter bunnies are a later idea. I've done some research. You could do it on internet. It could well be wrong or right. It comes from Germany, yep. same as Father Christmas. And <laughs> uh, the idea was that there's two theories. The most likely theory is that rabbits are known for having a lot of babies. Yes. So they are a symbol of fertility. Yes. And that there was an idea that the Easter rabbit, who's the most fertile, would bring the eggs. Okay. And the only good children, the Easter rabbit would look at the children to see whether they'd been good and only good children could have the eggs. Very similar to Father Christmas, very similar to why I don't like Father Christmas. Salvation by works. <laughs> there is a lesser known theory, which is that it was believed that the hare, not the rabbit, the hare, um, could have, uh, I don't understand this, I've just read it, could have little baby hairs and still be a virgin. Ooh. And so there was an idea that the, the hair is a corruption of the... The bunny is a corruption of the hair, which was supposed to represent the Virgin Mary. I think that's probably a tall story because yeah. I can't quite see how anyone would think a, a hair could have babies and still be a virgin. If anybody at home knows the answer to that, I don't, I don't think that... No. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so the Easter bunny is basically rubbish. Excellent. Excellent. So all those children going out on an Easter egg hunt on uh, Easter e Easter day. eggs, I, I think I, I can go with. I wouldn't go for the bunny myself. I think it's a lot of rubbish. I'm going to get letters. It doesn't exist. The Easter bunny doesn't exist like somebody else. He's on one tonight. <laughs> okay, whilst you're in this mood, and we've had a message in, just a reminder, do keep sending us your messages in. Uh, Joy Taylor. <laughs> Hi both. Happy Easter. Happy Easter, Joy. My question has nothing to do with Easter. <laughs> A question for Donald. <laughs> Are you wearing new pumps? And have you had your hair cut? Amber, Janice and me think the answer will be yes to both questions. Uh, well, I always shave my head every new moon. <laughs> <laughs> no, every, I have had my, I have shaved my head recently, I think. I can't remember when. And no, I'm not wearing new pumps. But it's great to ask that question. That's, that's Thanks for listening to my words. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Joy. Absolutely love you, Joy. Uh, These we, are really old. No, they're not really old. Maybe the camera makes them look all shiny and new. Maybe. I don't know. 
but it's great. It's always, it's always good to know. <laughs> okay, we're carrying on with our quiz. Okay, so you, great. So you, you've got two out of two so far. Oh. Um, okay. Unlike a recent quiz I did. Unlike a, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tune in to Cafe Church on the 12th of April to see Donald absolutely not smash the quiz. Spectacular fail. It was. And what did you say beforehand? I love a quiz. Who's, who am I up against? Who am I going to beat? Hmm. Let's move on. Okay, so I'm going to give you uh, two questions now. These are true or false. So 50% chance of getting it right. True or false? Until, I can't even speak tonight. Until 2018, it was illegal to sell alcohol on Good Friday in Ireland. Uh, that's... Well, it's, it's certainly true. My only question is whether it's still illegal. I'll go for true. Yep, it is true. And then, true or false? It is technically illegal to dance on Good Friday in Germany. That's probably true. It is true. Well, I, it's not that long ago it was illegal to sell alcohol here on Good Friday. I, that's within my adult life. Well, within my adult life, you couldn't go to any shops no, and do anything exactly. on Easter Day. Yeah. But all of that has, yeah. has changed. Yeah. Uh, so the whole Good Friday idea gets me wanting to talk about the names uh, and the whole Easter week. Because as I said, for many people, they would not understand why you couldn't buy alcohol on Good Friday or why you can't dance. It's, it's, uh, it's holiday season, it's time off, you should be able to do what you want. They have no, I suspect, understanding of the significance behind it. Probably because it's not taught that much. Uh, in lots of schools. I mean, they get the basics of it, but actually you don't always remember and it doesn't always make sense. So we've had a question in from Kath Bogle that helps us to begin this whole, mm -hmm. let's tour through Easter week. Kath Bogle says, what is Palm Sunday? And do Baptist churches do anything? And this made me laugh because you've got a little bit of a reputation of, you know, we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate Easter. Mm. Everything else in between, you're not really so keen on whether that's Lent, Palm Sunday. You're not a big traditionalist for these other Christian seasons, are you? No. And why is that? Um, <laughs> the, I, well, uh, why is that? So fundamentally, it is, it's a big... Uh, my approach is that we should let the Bible set our agenda. So when I preach, I th preach through a, a book of the Bible yeah. and I've been preaching Old Testament, New Testament in, 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 in rotation and I try not to miss bits of the Bible out. And I think it's really important to see the context of things and to let the Bible uh, really set the agenda. I, so that has made me not very keen on randomly choosing bits, certain bits of the Bible one week that have got no re relation to what you did the previous week or no relation necessarily to what you did the following week. And I also have a, a, a feeling that if we say, oh, every Sunday in the year, we a given Sunday, we celebrate this particular thing, so in some Christian traditions, every Sunday has a certain Bible reading. It won't necessarily be connected to the previous week, but every Sunday is a something Sunday. Yep. And I rebel against that because I think it misses out a lot of the Bible, mm -hmm. and I think it makes us feel uh, 
safe. So mm. one of the things about Easter and Christmas is that we think we know the story. Mm. And the more you do that with other parts of the Bible, like Palm Sunday, and the more you say every year we're going to do the same story, mm. I think we lose its impact. Whereas if you're preaching through a, a book, a, one of the Gospels, and you've come to that point of Palm Sunday, which I'll come to in John at some point, then it, it to me, it becomes fresh because it might be in the middle of August or it might be in November or it might... It just feels... That, so that's my, my thing, really. But that, there's other people that would perhaps say that it helps me to prepare for Easter. Yeah. It reminds me of the actual week of events as I go into that kind of week of events. So, yeah. I mean, there's two sides to the coin, yeah. isn't there? So, I don't not say... We do do Palm Sunday. Why did we do Palm Sunday on Sunday, Donald? So, so Palm Sunday is named after... It's not people's hands. It's... <laughs> it's named... Lost it tonight. <laughs> it's named after the, the, a week, the, the entry into Jerusalem that Jesus made at the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, and the crowds of people who'd come to celebrate the Passover had kind of expected or believed that Jesus was going to be the Messiah. And what that meant was that he was going to remove the Romans, overthrow the Romans and establish the great empire of, of the Israelite nation, the Israelite people, the Jewish people. And they enacted a symbolic welcome that was prophesied in the book of Zechariah where it says your king will come riding on a donkey. And Jesus deliberately kind of sets this up because he chooses a donkey mm -hmm. and he comes in. Uh, and so he's saying, yes, I am the Messiah. But what's going to unfold is a different kind of Messiah. But they take, tree, they take the branches off the local palm trees. So that's... That's, they just pull them down and they put them down in front of the donkey to make a red carpet, if you like. It's, it's not red, it's green. But it's, it's kind of saying, this is our king. Mm. So by putting, by making sure that the donkey and Jesus were not trampling in the dirt, but were trampling on fresh leaves, they were saying, this is our king. And they cried out to him, save us, save us. And... Uh, they were saying, come and set us free. Mm. Now, what transpires in, in, in the following few days is that Jesus' way of saving them is to die on the cross, mm. whereas he does, he's not going to overthrow the Romans. Mm. And they become resentful of that, and they call out to him to be um, crucified. Mm. And we can come to that in a moment. So Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter when uh, most Christians remember and mark the beginning of Holy Week. That's most Christians except you. I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Deb and Dan did it on they did. Sunday. They did. We did it. And yeah. we, I always yeah. have a song with Hosanna in it. I like those songs with Hosanna in it. Brilliant. Had another message in. Good evening, both. If only good children get the eggs, I feel Kath should be banned this year due to her cheating at Bible college. <laughs> Regards, Steve Evans. Thanks, Steve. Mate. There's me but we don't believe myself. in Easter Bunny, so you're okay. Yeah. We believe in grace, not works. 
and I've got high cholesterol and I'm not allowed them. So that's another reason. Um, okay, we've got another question that's literally just come in. Uh, the donkey seems to crop up in Jesus' life in the Bible, e.g. Mary on the donkey in the stable, donkey in the palm tree. Does the donkey signify anything, or is it just the common mode of transport at the time? Also, does Donald eat Easter eggs? <laughs> I do eat Easter eggs, yeah. Okay. Um, the donkey represents... That's Kath, thank you, Kath. Uh, the donkey represents, it's a, the donkey was the common mode of transport mm -hmm. as opposed to the horse, which was the transport of the rich and the mm -hmm. powerful. So it's a little bit like he comes in on a, in a Morris Minor. He comes in <laughs> in a, what, I don't know, it's Morris Minor, I'm out of date. What's your bog standard? He comes in in a 10-year-old Ford Fiesta, a, a mini metro no fanfare. No fanfare, dead ordinary, dead cheap, humble. And, and the donkey's really associated with humility for that reason, that if you had any money, you'd ride a horse. Similar today, if you have any money, you'd go on a horse. You wouldn't say, let's go for a donkey ride. That's, that's what children do. So it's mm. a similar kind of thing. Because it's smaller, it's less mm. fast, it's less elegant. It's but it's interesting when you look back at Christmas... And the, the humbleness of his beginnings there, that there's yeah. nothing about Jesus that is showy or avant-garde or, oh, get me, aren't mm. I amazing? Mm. It, it's all just very supernatural but ordinary. Mm. It, it's not the big razzmatazz show, yeah. oh, I'm here to save yeah. the world. Yeah. It's really, I mean, it's, that is what Jesus is deliberate in coming mm. in on a donkey because... Their expectation, mm. although there was this prophecy about the Messiah, their expectation was that he would come in triumph and power and glory, and therefore mm. he'd be riding a stallion or something. Wasn't it triumph? Wasn't that a, was that a motorbike or is that a car? Triumph uh, it, um, was a company that made motorbikes and cars, mm. more famous for motorbikes. So he could have come in on tri in triumph. He coming in triumph, he's coming in a motorbike, yeah. Sorry, everybody. Do forgive us. Okay, Triumph so went to British Leyland, which became Rover. So you know that. That's great. <laughs> We're on it tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We <laughs> Somebody are. will correct me. That's probably not true. I'm pretty sure that's true. I believe you. I've got absolutely no idea. So we've got Palm Sunday. They're kind of they're ushering in the beginning yeah. of the yeah. Easter week. I mean, we've ignored Lent. We're not even going into Lent. The season. Do you want to go into Lent at all? The season before. No. I mean, you never do. We want talked to go about into that before. Lent. Well, all I would say, in my defence, in my defence, you love Jesus. There are a number of events in Easter week that are really significant, and we don't mark them on certain days. But that doesn't matter. So in the Gospels, it gives us uh, an overview of uh, not just Palm Sunday, but as you say, there are other things that Jesus did in, yeah. in that time when he was in Jerusalem yeah. that we don't tend to focus so much on, but are really significant. So he cleanses the temple was a biggie, yeah. To explain what that means when you say So he goes the to the, immediately, actually the same day, it should really, there's a the thing, I'll stop it being called Palm Sunday, I'll call it cleaning the temple day. Well, no, because you think of COVID then, you, you need a different, you know. Different. The cleansing day, let's call it cleansing oh, Sunday. Dear. Oh, I'm going to start a new thing. Cleansing so, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so I did do a whole John uh, on, on this recently. Oh, not good. recently, a few months ago. Basically, immediately he goes to the temple and there are people there who are 
in order to offer the correct sacrifices that were be believed to have to be made by the priest, you didn't necessarily have that animal yourself. So you had to buy that animal and you also had to buy it with the right money. So there were people that would... Tr would um, um, change the money. Change the money so that you could buy the right sacrifice or they would lend you the money so you could buy the right sacrifice. And uh, Jesus goes in and says, you are stopping the poor getting close to God because you're putting these financial barriers in the way. Mm. And he uh, takes a whip and throws out the, the animals and the, the people doing Turns all the that. tables Turns over. Turns the tables over. Love yeah. it. Yeah, which is a, as equally a symbolic act as Palm Sunday. Mm. Well, maybe next year then. Go for it. I'll try it. Take it to the elders, see what they think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll there. all come in, throw over tables and yes. celebrate it that way. Excellent. Cleansing Sunday. It's a thing. It, we're we're going to patent that. It's copyright, SCBC. Before Only 2,000 years of church it. history. Yeah. It's funny that the church <laughs> didn't want to celebrate people clearing out the temple because they were making too much money, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I wonder why that happened. Yeah. I mean, I could think of some nice places they could go. Okay, so let's move on through the week then. So we have significant things like that. The, the next kind of known of day in this week is Maundy Thursday. Yeah. And people know that a little bit, um, the Maundy money the Queen gives out to yes. people and things like yes. that. What, what lies behind Maundy Thursday? So Maundy is a sort of English version of a Latin word for commandment. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically believed to be that on some... On that Thursday is the day of the Last Supper, where mm. a lot of the final teaching of Jesus to the disciples, particularly in John's Gospel, uh, chapters 13 to 16, really important mm. stuff. And within that is the story where he uh, washes the disciples' feet. Now, mm. the disciples are uh, normal human beings in that time, walking with sandals or bare feet through dusty roads where there are lots of donkeys and other animals. Therefore, they would tend to have um, unpleasant materials on their feet. So the lowest slave of all uh, would wash people's feet when they entered for a, a meal. And therefore, when Jesus takes a bowl of water and starts to wash the disciples' feet, he is saying, I am the lowest uh, slave in this room. And they were offended at first and they said, you can't mm -hmm. do this, Jesus, you're the most important. And then he says, um, you must let me do this. And then he, he commands them, he says, as I've done this for you, so you must serve one another. Mm -hmm. And within that dialogue, is, he says a number of times, a new commandment I give you, love one another. So Maundy Thursday was originally the day in which we remember God's command to love and serve mm -hmm. each other. Mm. And so that's the origin of why the queen, the most, or the, the king, whatever, the most important person would give money to the poor. It's the saying, I, like Jesus, am serving the poor or serving others and loving others. So that's why it came about. So take us through the Last Supper and Jesus' last evening before well when he was arrested and everything else yeah. take us through what happened so there. it's a Passover meal yep. and that was common that they would prepare that when they book a room he's, they booked a room the disciples go to this room all 12 of them and um, uh, Jesus takes the 
the bread was part of the Passover meal, but he says that this is his body. Mm. Uh, and he gives the first piece of the, he shares it around, he says, this is my body broken for you, which is kind of weird, what does he mean? Because mm. this was meant to represent the lamb. Um, and he gives the first piece to Ju Judas Iscariot. And has a bit of a conversation with Judas, and then um, Judas leaves uh, to, to go and tell the authorities where Jesus is so that he can be arrested, or where he will be. And then he teaches the disciples, uh, reminds them. I mean, he's been teaching them for three years, so probably the Last Supper is a kind of a summary, and it's probably a place where John in particular is using it to tell us all the things that Jesus taught them. Mm. He teaches them to, to serve. He teaches them to love. He teaches them to remain or abide mm. or dwell or live in him. And you did a, mm. a devotional about that this week. Last week? Last week. Last week. Yeah, yeah, which is really good, really helpful for people to look at, this whole idea of, of living in Jesus. Mm. Um, so uh, that's all happens and mm. um, he takes the cup uh, later in the meal he says this is the blood of the new promises of God the new covenant and the new agreement between his people and, and, and God and uh, shed for the forgiveness of sins and again you realise that probably at the time they're not quite sure what's going on he's taking the Passover but he's not doing the Passover he's mixing it up but they come very clearly to understand it. And by the time we get into Acts and the New Testament, it's clear they understand this. Mm -hmm. And they come and they break bread and they have communion and they reenact those words and, and they remember what's gone on mm -hmm. them. Uh, after they finish the meal, they uh, move to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus wants to pray. And uh, we are privileged to see this sort of mm. dilemma with Jesus mm. where he recognises what is about to happen. He's about to be um, not just crucified, but um, humiliated and whipped mm. and rejected. And the human part of Jesus, the human aspect, who's fully God and fully human, is that you see that pain in the anticipation. Mm. He wants the disciples to, to keep watch, but they fall asleep. Mm. Judas has gone to get folks to arrest him because they, that's where he is. And um, he's praying, he's crying out, and he says these really significant words. He says, um, if you could take this moment from me, mm. this cup, he calls it, this, this thing, but not my mm. will, but yours. Mm which is where Jesus is modelling for us a life of devotion to God, saying, what is it you'd have me do? And honesty. And honesty. Because he wasn't all blasé, was he? Oh, yes, I'm here to die on the cross. It was real angst. Yeah. Talks about him sweating drops of blood, mm. just the intensity of that, that moment. Mm. Mm. And then Judas arrives mm. with some uh, soldiers, uh, Jewish guards, and uh, they, it seems that they, perhaps in the dark or whatever, they weren't sure which one was Jesus. So he says, I will go and, and kiss. The one I kiss is the one you need to arrest. So he goes. Just look for the sandals and the long hair and the beard. Well, presumably they all have sandals, <laughs> long hair and a beard. 
Not like a halo? No. <laughs> that's just in the old paintings. Just in the pictures. So uh, he goes and kisses mm -hmm. Jesus and they arrest Jesus. Mm. Um, they ask him, uh, is he the one? And, and there's a moment where he says, I am. He is, I'm the one you're looking for, but he says, I am. Mm -hmm. And it says that the guards fell over when he says that they f they're struck down. The reason for that is that when Moses asks God what his name is, God basically says, I don't have a name. Don't try and give me a name. I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And I am who I am becomes the name of God. And the word is Yahweh, or mm -hmm. in the, the Latin kind of version was Jehovah, but it's Yahweh. So whenever Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's kind of, quote, he's kind of saying, Yahweh, the bread of life, mm -hmm. I am the bread of life, or I am the way, the truth, mm -hmm. and life, or I am the good shepherd. And it's the power of every time Jesus says, I am, there's this kind of resonance using the name of God. And it's clear that in that moment, he says, I'm God. And they, they kind of, the power of that sweeps them over, but they get up, they arrest him, and they take him to the Jewish authorities. Now, some of the disciples try and fight them off, don't they? Yep. They think, we need to defend Jesus. And, and Jesus says something along the lines of, uh, if I wanted to, I could call upon my father and he would send legions of angels to help. But this is how mm. it is meant mm. to be. This and he even thing. heals somebody who gets yes. cut. But he knew all along, this came as no surprise to him. He knew mm. in coming to earth mm. that ultimately mm. what happens on mm. Good Friday was going to happen. Mm. It was mm. not, oh, my life, this has come out of the blue. I'm not expecting this. Yeah. This was the plan yeah. all along. And I think that's important when we think about Judas, that Judas doesn't cause Jesus to be no. betrayed. The tragedy of Judas is the tragedy of Judas's own disillusionment and heart and then we know that he regrets what he's done mm. and the pain of that the tragedy is his own story and what mm. how, how he's made what he considers to be a terrible mistake mm. it's not that he caused jesus to be arrested that was going to happen anyway yes so jesus is arrested yep and he's brought before the authorities uh talk us through this next thing yeah, so they're charging him with blasphemy yep now various places we've maybe looked at this, Jesus does not say from the beginning, I am God. But he does a number of things that they felt only God could do. So he forgives, um, he gives commandments, he uses liberally the phrase I am, various <laughs> things that he does. So bit, bit by bit, they build up a case against him. And the final straw was that they believed the temple was the place where God dwelt. And this is linked into this Last Supper about abiding. They believe that God abided or dwelt in the temple. And Jesus says, this, you knock this temple down and I'll rebuild it in three days. And that's the final straw because they, they believe he is saying, you can destroy the place of God because I'm sufficient. And so they want to accuse him of blasphemy. Now, they don't have the power because they're occupied by the Roman Empire. They don't have the power to sentence him to death. Mm. But they convict him of blasphemy and in their law that would be a death sentence, but they can't kill him because they're occupied by the Roman Empire. So having found him guilty of blasphemy, they have various people say, look, he said he'd tear down a temple. Mm. They take him off to the uh, Roman um, governor in order to get him crucified 
And there they tell the Roman governor that he's claiming to be the king of the Jews. Now that would be a, a threat to the Roman Empire if the Romans were going to have a king, if mm -hmm. the Jews were going to have a king. Mm -hmm. So he gets taken off there. And what is, what is his response in all of this? Is he, oh, please don't know, or...? So he, he's kind, he doesn't deny it, but he doesn't say yes. He's kind of silent or gives the odd phrase. Um, he doesn't uh, deny the accusation that he's committed blasphemy, but nor does he go out of his way to do it further. Uh, when Pilate says to him, are you, are you the king of the Jews? He, again, he kind of... Uh, doesn't say no, doesn't say yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's putting Pilate, who's the Roman governor, he's putting him in an awkward position because it's not clear cut. It's not obvious. He's making, he's putting it back on these folks to you, you decide mm -hmm. what you think. And so Pilate's in this tricky place uh, and he enlists the uh, help of the crowds because there's a, there's a law that they can free one of the prisoners. Yeah, because it's Passover, mm -hmm. Romans say, well, to help you, we'll celebrate Passover, we will free one of your, one of your prisoners. Uh, so would you like us to free uh, this man who you say is saying he's the king of the Jews? Or would you like us to free one of your uh, insurgents, one of your terrorists called Barabbas? Now, this is the same crowd that on Cleansing Sunday had been cheering him. <laughs> as, as he Catchy, came, isn't it? Yeah, Cleansing as, Sunday. As he came in on the donkey, they were all shouting, um, oh, completely forgotten the phrase. Hazan to the son of David. Yes. So they were, this is the king, welcome. You know, they were all over him. And they had a choice to make, didn't they? What did they shout? So they shout for Barabbas. Yes. And so uh, Pilate kind of a bit uncomfortable about this because he doesn't feel Jesus is that guilty. Mm. So he says, well, what should I do with Jesus? And they cry, crucify him. And so that then sets into action a chain of events. Yes. Oh, when they, I mean, it does suggest that the, 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 um, the Jewish leaders started shouting crucify mm. and everybody else joined in so there's it's a quite bit of, normal for the crowds it isn't we just joined in with everybody yeah. else being critical yes doesn't ever happen today in social media or anything never seen that once no not in my life so they so Pilate gets a bowl of water and says I'm washing my hands of yeah. this I don't I don't want anything to do with this yeah uh, but he does order Jesus to be taken away and the Roman guards mock him Pilate orders him to be beaten. Mm. And he's beaten um, right up to the limit, the top number of beatings, um, what a person is allowed. Uh, they, the, the guards get a, a crown made out of thorns and they ram it down on his head so that would have scratched and cut his head. The whole of his back is now rip-raw because he's been whipped. They stick a, a cloak on him, a purple cloak, to mock him and they... they they call him Hail King of the Jews. They punch him and he says, who hit you? They're just making fun of him. And all at this point, he then remains silent. See, he's got the power to stop that, to intervene, to do whatever he wants. Yeah. And yet he's submissive because not my will, but your will. And he's enacting the, the teaching that he's taught, which was, you know, turn the other cheek. Mm. Do not return violence with violence. Later on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Um, so all the way through, he's showing forgiveness 
and compassion towards the people that are humiliating him. So he's been beaten and humiliated. They then need to make it to Golgotha, mm. the place of the skull, which is on the outskirts of the city. Uh, it's got a cross to take with him. Gets a little bit of help from Simon of Cyrene in, in carrying Yeah, so that. he's got to carry the cross on his back, which mm. has been ripped apart. So quite understandably, that becomes too difficult for yeah. him. So they grab someone from the crowd to carry the cross for him. I mean, already... I mean, we know the, the crucifixion story, but it's graphic, it's bloody, and it's raw. And I think sometimes we sanitise it. Mm. Sometimes it becomes, I don't know, it loses the impact of how horrific this was for Jesus. We think, oh, yes, Jesus died on the cross. We sing songs about it. I don't mean it glibly, but sometimes it's good to be reminded of the actual truth. This was barbaric. Mm. This was a horrific way to die. Mm. You know, if, if it had been being shot in the head, that would have been easier by far. But this was humiliating mm. and this was just mm. awful. And we've not even got to the crucifixion yet. Mm. But this is what Jesus was prepared to do. Mm. For you, for me, for everybody out there watching this tonight, it was mm. him saying, this is me telling you, I love you, mm. which is incredible. Mm. So his back is raw. He's got some help with the cross. And then they make it mm. to the place where he's going to be crucified. Mm. Explain just the horrors of crucifixion. So there was two other folks being crucified. And the way crucifixion worked was a standard sort of Roman way of executing, but it was meant to be a deterrent. So it was <laughs> meant to put everybody else off. Absolutely. So it was a public event to say, don't... You really don't want this to happen to you. And it was a very long process of dying. So the way it would happen is that a person would be hung up uh, for a long period of time. They would hung, be hung up by their uh, wrist. So they would have a nail that was hammered through the wrist bone. I know lots of our art puts it through the hand, but that would have ripped. It would have been through the wrist. And then they would hang from their wrists. Sometimes they would have a nail through their feet uh, just as well to, to, to sort of stop them kicking out or whatever. Now what happens is that, that eventually the muscles relax and it becomes hard to breathe because the, the shoulder bones are um, pressing in. So every breath they've got to lift themselves up and eventually they asphyxiate because they no longer the ability to pull themselves up. Um, and that typically took uh, about six hours, seven, eight hours, depending on the strength of the person. It takes a little bit less for Jesus because he's already been beaten and whipped. Um, but it's a long, agonizing death. Sometimes they might bleed to death if the uh, blood was coming out where the nails were, but often that would occur when the nail was removed and then all the blood would come out. So he's... In this horrific situation, he is nailed to the cross and still people are coming, still people are mocking, yeah. just shouting abuse at him. It's just horrendous. The disciples are watching on. Mm. The disciples have no concept of what Jesus has taught them before this point um, because they, they look at this and they think this is the end. Mm. This is truly mm. horrific. They are traumatised by it. And Mary's mother is there and other women who've friends and disciples among them 
Yeah. And it doesn't say that they stood up for him and shouted out. They just watched on. No, they were terrified. Yeah. And broken, and they felt the whole thing had come to an end and was a disaster. Absolutely horrific. So Jesus has uh, two criminals on either side of him, and uh, here's a conversation. Yeah, so the one is, is... sort of echoing what some of the people on the ground are saying, both the Romans and, and some of the, the religious leaders, you know, save us. And they, he says, you, you, you could save us. Why don't you stop all of this going mm-hmm. on? And the other guy says, the other criminal says, look, uh, we, don't, we deserve what we're yeah. getting, but this guy doesn't. And you've, you've sensed in his manner and his heart, there's a sense of repentance. We deserve this. And he says, you know, just have mercy. On us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus turns to him and says, you'll be with me in paradise. So he says, even at this last moment, the sins that you've committed can mm-hmm. be forgiven because yeah. you're acknowledging them and asking me for mercy. Which and is, recognises who he is. Recognises who yeah. he is. Yeah. Wow. So then Jesus dies and they make sure that he's dead. Yeah. So... They would sometimes would break people's legs so that they, the nail in the bottom wouldn't they wouldn't be able to push themselves up, and they would sometimes put a spear in a person's side to to make sure they were dead. They didn't need to break Jesus' legs, but they did put a spear through his side, not because uh, they wanted to kill him, but just because he was dead. Because when you put a spear into a dead body, different fluids come out, and uh, that's what happened with Jesus. So they would have been 100% certain that Jesus had died. Yeah. Historians believe that Jesus was a real man who lived on our earth and who died on the cross. Yeah, the evidence for the existence of Jesus is overwhelming. So all different accounts, not Christian accounts, but all accounts say there was a man called Jesus. He had followers. He rose from the... uh, Sorry, he was crucified by uh, the Romans. So all of that is loads of evidence towards that. So he's dead placed into a tomb he's wrapped in yards and yards and yards of cloth which is Mm. what they would have done Mm -hmm. Uh, not his own tomb they had to borrow somebody else's tomb and they had to do it quickly because it was nearly the sabbath Mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to do any work on the sabbath and normally they would prepare a body and make it smell nice and and clean up we still do that today Mm. because when a body dies muscles relax and certain things come out that are not very pleasant and so we always clean that up. And they didn't get the chance to do that with Jesus. Yeah. They just had to wrap him quickly and put him into the grave because they weren't allowed to do that on mm. the Sabbath. So he's in the tomb. And there is a massive stone that is rolled in front of it. It's sealed. Mm-hmm. Nobody can get in. Nobody can get out. There are guards outside of it because I think the religious authorities were worried that the disciples might come and try and steal the body or... Something so they were aware that happen. Jesus claimed he would rise from the dead. Yeah, the disciples had forgotten that. But, but I'm not sure they'd forgotten. They didn't believe it. Okay. Because, take us to Easter Day. What then happens? So, uh, well, let me just, can I come back to that in a second? Let's just finish off with the crucifixion. It's really important to understand that Jesus knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And that there was a a meaning to it. It wasn't just that people had rejected him. There was a meaning. And the meaning was that our rubbish behavior, our sinfulness, our lack of love, our greed, our hurtful words mean 
that we can't, God can't risk heaven repeating all of that stuff mm-hmm. again. And that we don't deserve to be in heaven and our behavior means that we shouldn't be in heaven. Mm-hmm. And that our reward or punishment for the way we live is death. We shouldn't live forever. Separation from God. Yeah, we should be, we should be destroyed because heaven can't have a repeat of this earth. And we are like the two thieves on the cross. And we've got two responses. Mm. One is to say, be angry and blame God. And the Mm. other is to say, I'm sorry. Mm. What we believe is that Jesus is dying the death that all of us deserve. He is being that lamb Mm. who's shedding his blood that we might be saved so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees the blood of the lamb, the Mm. Passover. He sees Mm. that Jesus has taken the death that we deserve. And we need to acknowledge that death. We need to say, yes, you've died in my place. If we say, no, I don't believe you died. I don't think I need to be forgiven. I'm perfectly good enough. Heaven deserves people like me. I'll make life, heaven a better place by being there. Then God says, no, well, you, you die on the cross if you like. Yeah. You take that. You will be destroyed. But if we're like the thief who says, Lord, I'm sorry, I've messed up and I don't deserve to be in heaven, then uh, Jesus has died in our place. It was as if we were on the cross. And one of the great tragedies of history is the belief that the the Jews crucified Jesus and that's given mm. rise to anti-Semitism and all kinds of horrific things. In, literally, it was Romans and Jews, but mm. probably in that crowd who shouted crucify all kinds of races and religions. But actually, it was you and I mm. that we, by our sin, require Jesus to die in our place. And... That's really important because when we come to the next part of the story, that is the bit that proves this first bit is true. Mm. So Jesus could just simply have died in our place. Mm. And we could all say he was the Passover lamb. In the Passover story, the lamb doesn't come back to life. Yep. The next bit of the story is to make sure that we understand that that bit is true. So... The women go on the Sunday, which is the day after the Sabbath, the day they are allowed to, they go to clean him up. It's important to them that Jesus is buried in a dignified way, that there isn't a horrible smell. So they go to clean him up. And when they get there, they discover that, firstly, the, the, the things they wrapped him in are lying there. They are uncertain what's going on and they see a figure. And they say, you know, what have you done with Jesus? And when, uh, it's not clear whether, a couple of them are uncertain. The angel says, you know, he's not here. But one of them goes in and sees Jesus. And he says, Mary. And at that point she realizes who it is. That Jesus is risen from the dead. So a couple of the angels said to them outside, he's, he's alive. But one goes in and sees Jesus or sees him later or whatever it is and they rush back to tell the disciples tell the men so this is a key moment in history yeah Jesus has died he's risen again from the dead and who does he tell first 
Who does he meet with first? So he tells these women. Women. Which is really significant. Yes. Because uh, at that time, in that culture, uh, women were not considered reliable witnesses. If you had a criminal case, you'd never call a woman as a witness. They were never called. They didn't have a voice. They weren't considered to be reliable. Whereas Jesus is asking these women to be the witness of his resurrection. He's asking them to tell the men. He's asking them to teach the men. He's asking them to preach to the men. He's asking them to lead the men. And that's very significant. And how did the men respond? Well, I think they responded naturally. They ran. They didn't say, okay, that's absolutely fine. We believe that. No, they, they ran to, to see if it for themselves. They couldn't understand what had gone on. They, um, they said in various ways they wanted to see for themselves. And so in his grace, Jesus then appears to them over the coming days in various ways and comes to them. Uh, and says, I'm alive. Mm. And Thomas says, I don't believe it. Unless I can physically touch this person you're saying is Jesus, I won't believe it. Mm. And that's the kind of great uh, moment to me of the resurrection where Jesus appears to Thomas and he doesn't yell at him, he doesn't shout at him. He says, put your hands here. And Jesus, uh, Thomas touches him and falls to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. And that, if you like, crystallizes the moment that changed the world where mm. these guys become full of courage. Mm. They wait as they're instructed to for the filling of, the, of God's spirit. And they then go out and they loudly proclaim that Jesus is alive. And their message is continuously that Jesus is alive and that, um, those, that the one that was crucified is now alive and therefore to be followed and believed in. Now, for them, that was pretty risky. Yeah, some of them were killed for saying that Jesus... Probably 11 out of the 12 and the 12th was imprisoned. Yeah. So it, it wasn't an easy thing for them to do. Mm. But they were so certain. Yeah. They had seen it with their own eyes. They believed it. Now, for us, over 2,000 years later, it's slightly harder mm. to believe it mm. because we can be like Thomas. And that mm. encourages us that we don't have to have it all worked out to begin with. We can have these doubts. We can have these questions. Mm. That Jesus is gracious with mm. us. And in his timing, he reveals himself mm. in ways that we, oh, I get it. Mm. And that may take longer for for me than for, for others and that's absolutely fine that's not mm. a problem but talk to me about why you 2,000 years later believe this story to be true because you were not physically there mm. I mean you're old but not that old you've not you know had the opportunity thanks for laughing at that Ruben you've not had the opportunity <laughs> to <laughs> feel straight you know, snoring straight snoring yeah but you've, you've not had Thomas's opportunity mm. so for you an intelligent guy in 2021 mm. Why do you believe that Jesus rose again from the dead? So I think it's one of the, the most important historical events. So what we know from all the records that are not to do with the Bible, we know that there was a man called Jesus yep. who had a group of followers who were uh, there, who, who were that Jesus was crucified. We know that these followers then started a movement. Mm -hmm. We know from history that these followers were... Uh, executed or forced to 
take part as gladiators in, in games until they died or crucified some of them. And we know some of the reasons what happened. So we know that they were told to proclaim Caesar as Lord, whether, whichever Caesar it was, Nero or whatever, and that they would refuse to proclaim, they would refuse to accept that the Roman emperor was God. They would refuse to do that. And they would say that Jesus was Lord because he'd risen from the dead. Mm. So we know from the Roman records that there was this group of people who were absolutely convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead. Mm. And we are still here 2,000 year, years later and there is an uninterrupted flow where the church has never disappeared and there's been lots of other religions in that time that have disappeared, lots of other Roman religions of the day that disappeared. Christianity has not disappeared. Mm. And I would put it like this. I was not alive in the Blitz, but my mum was, and, I, and my mum has described what happened. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't alive in the First World War, but my grandparents were, and my mum has described what her father and, uh, and her grandmother and her father-in-law saw. So I know because I know people who know. Mm -hmm. And there is an uninterrupted chain. I mean, the Catholic Church celebrates it in the Pope, in the, all the way back through Peter. Mm -hmm. There is an un in, uninterrupted chain of people saying, I know because somebody I know saw it, because somebody I know saw it, because somebody I know. And that goes from those 12 disciples, and in fact, more than 500 people who saw Jesus alive, who told somebody, 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 who told somebody who's told me. Mm. And we know there is an uninterrupted chain. Mm. We know that many times people were told, stop saying that or we will kill you. Mm. And they wouldn't mm. because they were convinced. Mm. And the, the very existence of Christianity, for the first 300 years, they had no armies, no battles, no f power, no force, no corruption, no money. They were persecuted and humiliated, and it grew like wildfire. In the Middle Ages, the church sadly did use power and force and money, and that's actually when Christianity went into decline. Mm. But Christianity is unique in that in its first 300 years, there's no violence, there's no power, there's no forcing people. Something transformed those men something changed them, men and women. Mm. We are drawing towards the end of our time. We have slightly gone over time. Oh. So I've got one comment for Val, which I will save to the end. Just in a nutshell, why is Easter such good news? It's Good Friday because it's Jesus taking our place in death. Mm. And through the resurrection, we now know that death is defeated. We know that death needn't be the end. I'm going to do my next John study, which will come out on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, which is where he says, if you obey me, you need not taste or see death. Death is defeated. Death mm -hmm. does not need to be the end. It does not mm -hmm. need to be the last time we see people. It does not need to be the last time we run or laugh or, or jump or sing or, or admire beauty or all of that. Death is not the end because Jesus has taken our place and then resurrected and defeated death.
Excellent. Fantastic.